0: We are doing a new message series on the word FOMO. Anybody ever hear the word FOMO before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? FOMO, the fear of missing out, if you didn't know. I'm sure that if you're not familiar with the terminology, you're probably aware of the experience of something that you see just around the corner that will possibly make your life just a little bit better or will perhaps uh, uh, solve that need that you've been seeking to solve or scratch that itch that you've been seeking to scratch. FOMO is one of those things that it's a way of appealing to what we don't have because there's something about the way we are made that longs for things beyond. And I think that if you are like me, you have a certain restlessness about things that you don't have that you long for. And if you're like me, you're not always sure what to do with that. And if you are a person who lives in our culture, you know that a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to help us figure that out. One of them I remember as a kid was a game show by uh, named, let's make a deal. Anybody ever hear of Monty Hall? Some of you guys did. Okay, I, I'm not going to go into the rules of the game show, other than to say there was a facet of the game show where there were three doors, and you had to choose which door you would pick to receive the prize behind the door. And that's all well and good, but you knew that this possibly could end very, very well with something like a new car being represented behind the door. Or it could be okay, you could get a trip to, of all places, Tahiti. Now how many of you are wanting to go to Tahiti? Tahiti. You're like, I don't even know where Tahiti is. Perhaps because that shows where I'm coming from on the timeline, probably 1976 when I'm staying home from school because I'm sick and uh, watching of all the things that I can watch on three channels plus PBS, anything that's there and well, they're trying to appeal to my FOMO. What am I missing out on? And it could be a trip to Tahiti, it could be a car, Or, or, it could be a month's supply of rice So you pick door number one, two, or three. And under those conditions, you're thinking right about then, why can't they change the rules so that I can have all three? Wouldn't that be great if, if Monty Hall got there and said, you know what, you can have them all. But here's the problem, you can't have them all, can you? You just can't have them all. Now let's fast forward to 2019. Is there a sense where you want to have it all or you want to do it all or you want to be it all or you want to experience it all? Anybody ever have that? Like stuff's going on right now and I'm missing out. Anybody? One person, two people. rest of you guys, go home. If you're not missing out on anything, it's fine because you don't need to hear this. But there's some of us who are a little restless cause we're missing out, right? We don't know what it is, but we know it's out there. Now, fast forwarding to 2019, we also have a FOMO enhancing device. So if you ever fear missing out, that's one thing. And if you wanna miss out even more, like if you wanna like put that fear of missing out on steroids, Go down to your local Verizon and pick up one of these because it will prompt you, it will ping you, it will shake, it will vibrate, it will do things to tell you one thing and one thing only. You, my friend, are missing out. And what do you do with that? Because deep inside of you, there is this need. Even right now, you're thinking, my phone is doing that and do I watch him or do I look down and see what's going on? don't do it. Don't give in. But my guess is if you do, well, you're just like the rest of us. We all have that need to see what's around the corner, what's behind door number one, two, and three. And we have that need to know. Well, FOMO is one of those things that the Bible doesn't actually use the word FOMO but it definitely paints a pretty good picture of what it can mean for us. And interestingly enough, the very first story in the Bible that involves human beings interacting has as its theme FOMO. Did you know that? All you have to do is look to the book of Genesis and go no farther than chapter three and you got it right there, front and center And that's the reason why I'm going into this experience because I think we're living in one of those moments where our fear of missing out almost obscures our ability to see what it is that's right in front of us. And as a pastor, it is a concern that we're so busy concentrating on that that we do miss out on the thing that is most important for us to see. And if you're like me, though, it takes me a while to see it. It takes me a while to get there because, honestly, I, 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 I'm too distracted by the possibilities. I, maybe some of you are like this, maybe you're not, but, you know, life has so much that's, that it has to offer in terms of experiences or possibilities that I'm, I'm, I'm easy prey for that. But as a believer, I've got to ask the question, what do I do with that? And for people that are starting to tune in to the things of God, they have to look at this front and center and say, what do I do with that? And maybe we'll just start with the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 and following. Up until this point, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically a, a, a depiction of what the heavens and the earth look like during the point of creation and how everything was differentiated according, according to its kind and how at the, at the, at the last uh, crowning part of the creative effort of God, there is man made in his image and likeness male and female. And God is just saying this is so good, so very good, that he establishes these two in a place called the garden on this planet. And in that garden he gives them well he he gives them a commission to rule over the space with the understanding that that will expand in time. And all of the possibilities that are known to those two lay in front of them to do with this garden whatever they want. It's theirs to manage, theirs to rule over, theirs to discover, theirs to learn and to grow inside of There's to even have one-on-one communion with the God who created them. I mean, honestly, what more could you ask for? But there's one thing, as we know this story, that God did, and he mentions it in in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He says, there is a, a tree that's placed in the midst of this garden, and it is the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that fruit or you'll die. And while this tree is there sort of lingering in the periphery of their eyes and perhaps sometimes it's front and center and they're wondering, what is that all about? There comes slithering into the garden this serpent and as he's finding his prey, he goes up to one of the two and he approaches Eve and he says, um, well, the scripture says this, Now the serpent was more crafty, cunning, shrewd than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die. Well, as the dialogue continues, the serpent says to the woman, we may, uh, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat, your eyes are opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree, Was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now do you see where I'm coming from when it comes to FOMO? They were missing out. It wasn't so much what they had, because they had plenty, it was what they didn't have that became the focus of their attention. And have you ever been in that place where you have a lie going for you and you think if I only just had that one thing or if only I could experience that one thing? Perhaps you can relate to what they're, what they're, what they're facing. And as God is looking at us, he places things in front of us and he challenges and tests our FOMO to see Really, where our heart's at, because I honestly think that's what that particular tree was designed to do. It's there, but you can't touch it. You with me so far? The thing about the tree is sort of interesting in all of this, and, and it's what it represents. So some people have different ideas about, about should they have eaten the tree, or was there a time when uh, they would eat of it and nothing would happen? What, what was it about that tree that It was so important to God, place it in the middle of the garden, but yet at the same time saying don't touch it, which is kind of like saying to a kid, I'm going to put some candy on the table I'm going to go in the other room and I'm going to tend to some stuff there, but don't touch that candy. What do you think? Does the analogy, does it it hold up? Now in the case of of this story, I I have a theory about, about the tree and it's this. It's that the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was there for purpose and it was to help them to realize that as they grew, as they developed, as they understood, they would have to manage that level of information, that knowledge in a responsible way. And if you dumped all the knowledge on them immediately, they would have access to things that they just weren't ready for. Now here's how I would illustrate it. One of my my children, whenever they were little, really liked our Honda minivan, which was out in the garage. And one day he disappeared. And we didn't know where he was at until we saw the door open to the garage and we went out there and we discovered that he was in the Honda minivan. And not only that, he was proceeding to try to drive the minivan. Now, mind you, he's like three, three and a half years old. Where's this breaking down? Well, I'll tell you where it broke down for him. First of all, he could find the keys, which we had left in there, but he couldn't do anything about it other than start it because his legs weren't long enough to hit the brakes so that he could move the the shifter into gear. Thank goodness. Don't tell me that even though the capacity wasn't there, the imagination also wasn't. He was ready. He was ready to take on that vehicle because he'd seen us do it. He saw a couple of things. One is, if I get behind the wheel of that vehicle and I can drive it out of the garage, I can do what they do and I can go places that they go. And secondly, as I'm driving this vehicle, I'm I'm like free. Well, There's a lot that is bundled into this experience that I can draw from. But one of the things that I get is the desire for a little kid to drive a big car. some of you probably had that desire. Any, let me just find out if you did. Any of you sit on your parents' lap and steer? I don't think there's any policeman here. Okay. Wasn't that cool? I mean, you're like, I'm this close to realizing my dream and that is driving the car. There's a reason why they only let you steer because you just weren't ready to handle a machine that had the potential to kill other people pretty quickly, including notwithstanding yourself. The technology that is available is way beyond the capacity of a three and a half year old or a ten year old or whatever to manage in a way that could be deemed responsible. Now, if you can just put yourself in in that, in that mode for a second, and imagine the things that we know versus the things that we don't know. And there's a lot of stuff that we honestly don't know, but the internet has given us the ability to learn so, so, so many things that I gotta say, we're not honestly ready to process. We don't have the capacity to manage it Well. But for many of us, there is a fear of missing out and the internet will take you anywhere you want to go. The problem is we're not designed right out of the gate to go anywhere and everywhere and manage that information responsibly. And I suspect that in Adam and Eve's eyes, as they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and their eyes started to open up and they became aware, they were in way over their heads very quickly. And they discovered a sense of disconnect between their own capacities and their own awareness. I can only think it made them anxious. And when God. Discovered that this was going on and I think he knew it was going to happen he said you're no longer fit to manage the garden you're out and He threw him out and it was all because of FOMO they just were afraid they were going to miss out there was this one little slice of something that they did not have even though they had everything else and I wonder what is so important in your life that you believe that one little slice of something that is missing is going to change everything. I truly believe there is one little slice of something that opens up into a whole lot more that maybe you are missing, but we're not ready for that yet. When these two people in the garden were being described in the storyline, it was for every one of us to pay attention to. Because there's something about missing out on things that is just wired into our lives. There's a restlessness that we have that says I want more. And maybe you wake up every day thinking my life is pretty boring. Or maybe you get on your phone and you see the curated lives of other people and you say if only in northeastern Ohio in on the on the cusp of November I could be at Hilton Head. I can be in Florida. I could be somewhere on the beaches of California. But here I am, stuck in Ohio. You've actually seen that that little uh, uh, decal on the back of the car saying, stuck in Ohio. And you think, man, stuck here because I'm missing out on what's going on there. And that longing for something beyond sets in. And as it does, you not only think about what those other people are doing, you look at how perfect their lives are. But in the background of that story is another story that says there were 29 pictures taken in order to get that 30th one right. Picture number one, you take it and you're like, oh man, they got their eyes closed. Next one, I don't look very good in that picture. Next one, oh the sun's wrong. And pretty much... I'm just say this and don't be offended, but, you, but some of you just say, my life sucks. I can't get a good picture, but then it happens, and you get that picture, and you, put, and you post it. And your intent is, I just want to, to report like the newspaper does to people I know, friends I like. We're having a great time, but the FOMO effect, which is turning on both sides of that picture, The first one is, we can never get a good picture. My life is horrible. On the receiving end of the picture, it is, wow, they're obviously having a great time. My life is horrible. There's something about the moment that we're living in that just leverages FOMO in an evil way that causes us to be as radically discontent as radically as this thing enhances fomo and that is my deepest concern as a pastor right now because i wonder sometimes how many people are caught into that fomo treadmill because it is deeply rooted in our story and if you are maybe we can learn to find our way out and discover what it is that we are truly missing out on or figuring out how to miss out on the things we fear missing out on to begin with. Now, the Bible tells us a lot about this experience in a variety of forms, but I would boil it down to this. The reason we're afraid we're going to miss out is because there is something missing. And maybe you're in church today because you know that there's a slice of your life that there is something missing, and only God can fill it. This goes way back. One of, one of the, the ancient theologians was somebody called St. Augustine, and he said a phrase that has first time I heard it, it just stuck with me because I can relate to it so well. And he said this: "Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God." Maybe your heart's restless. And maybe you haven't discovered how you can find rest in God. And in this first part of the message series, it's just painting a picture more than giving you bullet points. Of the direction that we need to go to find that that rest. It's a way of saying, it doesn't matter where you are at. What you are looking for has been right in front of you the whole time. Maybe it's a way of saying, I once had that in front of me, but I went the way of the prodigal, and now I know it's gone. And I remember, I remember this song that my kids used to sing, You Never Know What You Got Till It's Gone. I think it was DC Talk or somebody like that. And then I remember with, with, with what I would call trauma, was We went to TGI Fridays, and I ordered this huge steak. And I I couldn't eat it all, but I was so excited about eating it for lunch the next day. I said, can you box that up for me? So they did. Wait, a waitress brought it to us, put it on the table. Uh, we got up. We paid our bill. We drove on down the road. And I'm like, oh, no, I left my steak at the restaurant. And so I turned our Honda minivan around and I drove it as fast as I could back to the restaurant, went inside and I said, any chance that my steak is still on the table? And they said, no, we cleaned that off a long time ago. It's out in the dumpster. And would you believe my kids sang the song, well, you never know what you got till it's gone. And they just just rubbed it right in. There's something about our nature that wants to rub that into other people. You didn't you didn't you didn't get it you don't have it you don't realize it till it's gone and if you see the two people kicked out of the garden they never realized what they had until god was gone and not only that it was worse because now they couldn't even face him. Scripture says that they became aware and they covered their nakedness. And I'm sure it was both a body, soul, and spirit thing. But the desire was to say to God, I am so, we are so overwhelmed with shame that we can't, we can't reconnect with you. And there are people who come in to gather for worship who are overwhelmed with shame. And sometimes they'll miss a week or two or even a month or whatever. And they'll say, I can't come back because I feel shame coming back. And there are just that and many other ways that we do things that we feel like upset God or upset God's people that we feel so much shame that we, we just, even though we, we feel disconnected, that makes it even harder to come back. And it's pretty clear in the story that these two, whenever they were outside, they not only felt shame and nakedness, they were anxious. They were worried. They were insecure as insecure gets because their refuge had been well they had been kicked out of the refuge God said if you want to do it your way you're on your own and God is is a person that honors that that, that ability to make choices and he says go ahead and make them but they'll make you eventually And so maybe you went after that thing because you had FOMO and it disconnected you from God I'm here to tell you that maybe you're missing out on something, and maybe you're afraid that you're missing out on something, perhaps the thing that you're missing out on is right in front of you. For those two, obviously it upset God that they were in that place because that wasn't by design the intended location for them. And there's a story in Luke 15 that describes a father whose son said, I'm going to take the resources that I have and I'm going to find out what I'm missing out on. And he did, only to come back to discover that everything that I was looking for actually was right in front of me the whole time. And it's just a perennial theme in the Bible that we long for something. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. So here's where I'm just going to end the message today. I want to look at a couple of scriptures from the Psalms. One of them is uh, Psalm uh, 16. Uh, We read these words if we can put them up there. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, they're not missing anything in their life. Then he goes on to say these words. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord. Everything they need. He provides. And maybe you need to. Write that down. When you get FOMO. Psalm 34. Everything that I need. God will provide. Maybe you've been in in, in the church for a while. And you were in another tradition. And you said the Lord's prayer. And the very first prayer. Part of the prayer is give us this day our daily bread. It's God's way of training us to trust him. That what we feel like we lack or are missing out on, he is our source. But there's something else that he does. He not only is our provider for both our material goods and our spiritual needs. He is the one who protects us. Because in Psalm uh, 34 we read these words. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. And I love that because it's a way of reminding you and I, especially if we've gone on that rabbit trail of finding that which we're missing out on, that when we come back that God is the source for everything that we need and he is the place or the location that we find security When we feel threatened outside the boundary of his protection like that early couple did. Now maybe your need today is to reconnect with him because of the shame or the guilt. Or maybe just the lack of attending to this part of your life has caused you to drift away. And what is it that God provides that we need in that situation? I think he provides Forgiveness. He provides a deep and profound desire to to embrace us like the prodigal son was embraced by his father. And he does that through a bloodstained cross where when we approach it and we're going to have communion here in just a minute and as we do, we look at these emblems of the representation of his blood and his body uh, broken and we realize this is the path back to that which we have been missing. And maybe the thing that you've been trying to fill in your life with everything else is actually a hole in your being that can only be filled with Jesus. Because I honestly think FOMO in a lot of ways is just another way of saying I'm looking for something to fill that God space in my heart. And there's a lot of options to try to do that. There's a lot of false trails that we can go down but there is only one place that will make our restless hearts find peace and it's him and so if you need to close that gap of shame through forgiveness ask God and every time you ask he will forgive what you lack he will provide maybe you've gone that route and now you're connected to him but in every episode and situation in your life and especially when you're on your FOMO enhancing device you're asking the question God help me to sort out why I need that. Why I'm going there. Why I'm prompted to do that. And help me to get on the balcony of my life and see whether or not it's going to just be another endless empty pursuit. Or whether it is a means by which I can bring you into the equation and bless somebody. I don't know what you're missing out on, but I do know this. God is more than able, no matter what it is, to provide. And some of you, I know, are prone to being fearful just in general. Not just the fear of missing out, but the fear of the unknown, the fear of the what ifs, the fear that the possibility of X to happen and it's a bad thing is going to happen. That's where the other psalm comes in handy and tells us God is our refuge. And the language that's used is that of 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 of, of, of almost a, a a father protecting his child. It's a beautiful image. Of how much God cares for us. And how much God keeps us secure. And how much God truly loves us. And desires to be in connection with us. God may be working in your heart right now. And he may be asking you the question. And as I conclude this I just want to say. The question may be this. What do you fear of missing out on that is so great that you're willing to put me aside for that? And maybe as we move into the next part of the series we can do a little bit of personal inventory and say you know, FOMO is a thing and this is how it works. And this is how it actually controls me. And this is perhaps the fruit that has come out of it. We're going to pivot from FOMO to the joy of missing out and where we find that joy as we've talked about it so much in the last few weeks and the source of it. But for now, I'm just going to end with prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, as we conclude this first part of this message series, I pray that the words that I've spoken would be from you. And where they're not, Father, I pray that you help us to just put them aside. Lord, if you've spoken to us about how we dedicate our time and attention in ways that lead us away from you, because we just have this longing to find fulfillment through things that cannot satisfy, help us to step back and see the pattern. See the fruit. See the loneliness, the anxiety, and perhaps most deeply the discontent. And then, Father, I just pray that if that's there, that you lead each of us on that path towards contentment in you, towards rest in you. And I pray that if that blood-stained cross is your way of covering our shame and our sin and our shortcomings and our waywardness and our disobedience and our recklessness then may we experience in a fresh way forgiveness Father I just pray that you would open up that pathway of our lives to yours as we want to miss out and increasingly measure Anything that keeps us from you and not miss out on you. And my prayer is for everyone here and myself included. In Jesus' name, amen.